Today we get to start a new series as we go through 2 Peter. It would be horrible for us to do 1 Peter and then run away and never do 2 Peter. And so during the summer we took a break and we went through the foundations of the church, how the church got started, and from the Old Testament to the New Testament through the book of Acts, and we went through all of that. And so now it's so neat that we get a land upon the foundation of our faith. As we look at 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, as we start it, and we get a look at verses 1 and 2. I'm back in my element, man. I get to focus on a couple of verses. I'm so excited to explain the wording that is here because we miss some of the richness and the beauty of what God has given us. These opening words are more than just an opening and a salutation. They are foundational to the whole book. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you read verses 1 and 2, and then read the whole thing. It only takes about 5 to 15 minutes, depending on your reading ability. I'm somewhere around 12. And so if you read the whole book, uh, you get begin to sense what Peter is saying and why God put these words in the very opening section. First Peter was written to help suffering Christians to realize that they really belonged in heaven. Second Peter was written to expose false teachers that was going to take them away from what God wanted them to know and do and enjoy. So think about that. And so first Peter suffering, second Peter there's problems are entering the church and so second Peter is to combat that. First Peter uh, was ministering specifically to those suffering Christians, focusing on the imminency of Christ as a means of encouraging the believers. Second Peter, dealing with the scoffers that are emphasizing the reason why that imminent return of Christ has not yet occurred. So as people have come in and started, well, you talk about the imminent return of Christ, and Christ is coming back, but where is he? And they're scoffing, and they're making fun of their faith, and so now Second Peter is dealing with those scoffers. And so we'll get to that in the months ahead. First Peter dealing with the resurrection of Christ, while Second Peter is dealing with the transfiguration of Christ. Standing that Christ is the Lord, and we're going to see that this morning right off the bat. Second Peter is almost the very last testament or epistle in the Bible to be added to the Bible. It was, it was later written at the very end, in, in, uh, eight, you know, towards the end of, uh, of the very beginning of the church, A.D. 67, A.D. 68, somewhere around there, while Nero was putting all the Christians to death. And that's where Peter met his death. That was foretold by Christ in the gospel. What's so amazing about this is, is that one of the major recurring themes and we'll get to that in a second, all the themes, is the importance of knowledge. And here's the thing. It's not knowing. The word knowledge all through Second Peter is an intimate relation knowledge. I have a knowledge about many of you, but those that went camping with us this week have a more intimate knowledge of everything because they heard everything. They saw everything. The tent walls are so... You know, there, there's no sound barrier when you're camping. 
right? Except when it's raining. That kind of helps, you know, kill sound. But they have more intimate knowledge. Or my wife in, has an intimate knowledge of everything that I do wrong. And so, but some of people have a knowledge of God, but they really don't know who God is. And that's one of the, the important things of of Second Peter, we see over and over, it recurs 16 times in three chapters. That might be important to really have an intimate relationship with God. It might be pretty important, don't you think? 16 times he mentions it. So here we are in Second Peter, verses 1 through 2. Let's read them, and then let's answer some of these things that are written in your notes. To those who are elect, exiles, oh, whoa, let's, I already did that. I went to 1 Peter. There we go. It says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's quite a lot there. As we go through this, these words that we're going to, I'm going to help you understand why this is important because here's the reoccurring theme. There are false teachers. They're infiltrating the church right from the very beginning. And you know, it's amazing. These false teachers tend to attack two major things. God's word and Christ. What's funny is, is, is we've been talking about in our Wednesday night Bible study here at the church and prayer time, we've been talking about how a lot of modern uh, churches and modern singing, um, it's not really worship, but a lot of music that, that the people are singing today tends to draw away from Christ and God's word. We've noted that, and what's amazing is, is all those things that we have noticed and talked about actually isn't new. It isn't a new problem. If you go back and you look at church history, right from the end of the canon of Scripture, when the Bible was completed, these two problems existed right from the very beginning. People were distorting God's word, and people were distorting who Christ is. And Peter makes it very clear right from the beginning who Christ is. But false teachers is a major theme of 2 Peter. So we're going to talk about that. The other thing is scripture. How do we know that scripture is true? Where did the, where did the Holy Scripture come from? Where does, how does God's word formed? Where did it come from? And scripture and the importance of knowing God's word is in 2 Peter. The other major theme is Christian character. Not being a character, but having godly character. You know, my, my son's a character, and I say, that's not enough. You've got to learn to be godly, not just be a character. And uh, so Christian character is a major theme of 2 Peter. The other one is Christ's second coming, that God is coming back. Jesus will return. When the roll is called up yonder, right, he is coming. He's going to call the church body home, his bride, the bride of Christ. He's going to call the bride home. 
Will you be ready? Is a reoccurring theme. But this morning, I want to talk about this thing here. Is the things that make up the foundation of the church. There's a sneak preview right there. But the importance of knowing the foundation of our faith. Have you ever stopped to think about how important the foundation is? Um, when we were, uh, just a really, really good illustration is this, we, uh, the kids affectionately called, we found a place where we were boating uh, on, uh, on uh, Baker Lake, and we, we, the, some of the young boys, and we found where a stream was coming out of the mountain and into the lake, not the river, but a stream. And we thought, oh, this would be cool. Let's go over onto the sandbar. And so we pulled up, and it was great. It was a place we could go walk, and, and uh, it looked great. It felt great to get on there. And, uh, and as we got, the water even felt warm, and it was so wonderful. But the place that we found, it became affectionately known as, as Quicksand Island for very good reason. Uh, after we got off, there's a little bit of rocky ledge, but as soon as we started walking closer to the stream, we realized the more we got to the stream, the more we sank. Now, for some of us, that rose an alarm, and uh, we quickly realized that it wasn't very solid. I mean, some of the kids were jumping up and down. I didn't get to see that part. It looked like a trampoline. I mean, it was... The, the, the sand was going up and down. It was just moving. And uh, Kedrick, you know, he was running, jumping, and submerging himself as deep as he could get. The rest of us were like, uh, I don't want to try to pull him out. So I just told him, we're leaving. And so he crawled out. <laughs> Raul was like, what are you going to do if you have to go get him out? Because uh, I was in my, my pants. I wasn't going to go over there. I stayed on the rock, you know. I didn't want to sink. I didn't want to get in the mud. You know, of course, the girls, they had their, their mud bath and their, you know, their petties and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They had all that facials done. and Yeah, uh, they were sliding in the mud. They loved it. But we realized nothing was very solid there unless you were on the rock. We found out it was amazing to think about our Christian life have you ever asked the question, why is our foundation of our faith so important? What's so important about our faith? What's so important about Christ? What's so important about his word? Is having the right foundation important? And why is it important? As I began to, I was thinking about this message, I was watching everybody run around and have fun, but it was very at different times, it was very, you could see the look on their face, and it was very evident that it wasn't always exciting. There was times where we weren't quite sure because they kept, you kept sinking, and all of a sudden, you would find the rocky bottom. And you were like, oh, whew. You know, Raul and I, a couple of times, we slid and fell back because we never found the rocky bottom. <laughs> uh, and it, it was a little unnerving. Uh, but here's the thing. Sometimes when we go through life, it's not all easy. Things aren't always secure as we would like it to be. 
The storms in our life are overwhelming. The things that we're going through at work or we're going through at school are not always safe and secure, right? Knowing our foundation is pivotal to our walk with God, and it's our pivotal to know who God really is and to be led by God rather than to be led by somebody into, you know, quicksand. You know, the, I, Jim told me that Raul was trying to lead him into the, you know, the spot we found, but, you know, Jim picked up on it. <laughs> Jim was like, that's not solid. <laughs> but you know what? We need to realize that our foundation is so important, and that's what is being developed here by Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit. That our, the first aspect of our foundation is this. The provision of our relationship is one of the foundational things in our faith. Here's the thing. If our faith wasn't provided for, if God didn't provide for our relationship with him, then everything would be based on all of your actions. How would you like your faith to be built only on the security of the things you can do? I don't know about you, but that would be pretty flimsy. I don't have everything figured out. I don't have, I mean, I'm not the best person at everything. Just very little, right? And if my faith was dependent on solely on how good I am, my relationship with the Lord would be pretty weak. It would be pretty vulnerable. This aspect right here, he says in verse 1, to those who have attained a faith. It's important. This was a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, we see that it was a gift by faith, by, you know, by grace through faith that was given to us by the Lord. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, but as many as received unto them, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God provided for us a relationship through Christ. Your faith is built upon that provision. That solidifies your foundation. When we go back and we realize that what God provided for us was provided by God who is holy, who doesn't change, he's complete. He never, you know... It's like when he doesn't build your faith upon shaky sand, right? We don't have to go, I hope God did that right there. And, I, you know, that's like when I ask my kids to do something and I'm thinking, oh, I, I hope they got it right because it could be life or death with some of our animals at our house. But, I, you know, we sometimes wonder, but not with God. Our relationship is built on what he did for us when he gave us Christ on the cross to die for our sins. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord, he provided the perfect relationship. 
In fact, look at it. He says, to complete the, the sentence there, a faith of equal standing with ours. Paul was, or Peter was making a point that the, in the body of Christ, all of our faith is of equal standing because it is a gift provided by God. It's not based on you earning anything. We didn't earn our way to salvation. Our faith is from a holy God that has given it to us. I hope you understand how important this is. It's not something that's based on your goodness. It's a provided relationship, an intimate relationship that was given to you. When Jesus died for you and God saved you, He took away his wrath that you deserve, and he gave you life instead. I don't know about you, but if you're going, whatever you're going through in your life, I hope that you realize the relationship that's been provided. It's not something that you have to earn. That's why we can have such confidence no matter what's going on. It also helps us to be steady and not be drawn to things that are false, to rely on things that are not of value. But our faith is all of equal value because our God is one. He is true. He is holy. He doesn't change. And it's not based on us. It's based on his righteousness. The things that make up the foundation of our faith is what was provided for, that relationship that was based on his righteousness. You see there it says, a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God. Peter's point here is to the church. He says, guys, the point is we share in this equal gift of salvation because of God's rightness. God alone is right. Isn't that great? You don't have to rely on you being right all the time. Your relationship with God, your faith in God is not based on your rightness. It's not based on everybody's rightness in church. It's based on God who is righteous. God is alone righteous. That righteousness recognizes no distinction between people except that the sin of some, you know, it's not about one person's sin over the other person's sin. It's, It's only that God is right. And in him, we can be made right. We are standing on his righteousness. We're not standing. Do you notice in the world today how many people are trying to be right? Everybody says, I am right. You know what happens when everybody's right? Everybody's wrong. Right? Nobody. But... When God is right and he provides his salvation for you, then we can be made right in his image. It's security. It's a blessing. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You remember... 
Peter's dealing with all sorts of problems that are infiltrating the church, that are destroying the church, false teachers. And he's making a point that your life is built upon the relationship with God based on who he is. You know, there's all those arguments, who's right in the church, right? Well, I believe this and you believe that. It's all about, no, God alone is right. Do you know what happens when we focus on him as being right? He makes all things steady, right. That foundation is so pitiful. Let me tell you that. Let me remind you again. Think about this. If you are concerned about being right, then we are going to struggle. But if we focus on God alone is right, he makes all things right. It's by his righteousness, not by what we think is right. By the way, we can have such confidence because of that. The other thing, the last thing here is knowing our Lord, knowing who to obey, right? Knowing our Lord, that's who to obey, and knowing Jesus to deliver us. Now let me show you something. As you read the end of verse 1 and go into verse 2, it says this. It's by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it's literally saying God and Jesus are one. There's no article separating them. They're saying that God and Jesus is one. In fact, we'll see the Trinity later on, but... The thing is, is so many people try to remove, they say Jesus is just a man. He wasn't God. Peter's making a point here and saying, no. We need to know, emphasis, knowing our Lord, knowing him. One of, uh, is Peter is identifying Jesus as both Savior and God. Jesus is our Savior. Because he is God, he is our Savior. He's the great physician who heals the heart of the sickness of sin. He is victorious conqueror who has defeated our enemies. It was so amazing to be with Pat last night, late in the night, and she's going in and out of consciousness. But when she'd wake up, and just that smile alone made the whole night worth it because it didn't matter what if she was leaving this earth, she had such great confidence. And it was so evident to her family that they listened to the gospel. It was evident that Pat knows the Lord. Not of the Lord, but knows the Lord. Jesus is our Savior in that he gave his life on the cross and he died for our sins. That word knowledge in our text here, it says in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, that word is so important because it doesn't mean a mere intellectual knowledge of understanding some kind of truth. It means a living participation, an intimate relationship with. John 17, 3 says 
such, it says this, and this is eternal life, that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This knowledge is so important. Our Christian faith, our relationship, our faith, the foundation of our faith is not built upon some mystical man-made religion, but it is based on objective, historical, revealed, relational truth from God. Knowing our Lord, having an intimate relationship with, it stables your life. It makes your life stable. I hear people all the time say, you know, Pastor, you know, just, just tell me, just give me something to encourage my heart because that theology and that doctrine, it's not important. And I'm telling you, Peter is saying that knowledge of God produces something important. In, the, in verse 2, he says, says, may grace and peace be multiplied. That word multiply there literally means this. It suggests consistent growth until the fullness of blessings come. It's a continual growth. The word ending in the Greek literally means it may, because of our knowledge of God, it produces something that is vital to your life. There are a lot of Christians that struggle and they get tossed to and fro by the things of of the world that we live in. You want to be a stable believer. Focus on your relationship that God won for you through the cross, on the, the cross of Christ. Focus on His righteousness and focus on knowing this Lord and Savior. This is it. It is through the experience and of intimate relationship with God that grace and peace are multiplied. If you are trying to live a perfect life, come to church, read your Bible, and you set all your life on just being good, you are going to struggle in this world. False teachers are going to infiltrate your mind, the way you think about the Lord. Your knowledge of the word is going to be tainted. Your relationship with God will be stagnant. And you will just not function with this abundant life that God planned for you to deal with all the hardships that we live with right now. As Peter opens up to deal with all the major problems that are going on in the church, he wants them to understand their footing. Here is the safe place to put your foot. Right? That's so important, isn't it? Uh, Where is he? There he is. It's important to know where to put your foot, right? You just can't put it anywhere. Ethan put his foot on on a slimy piece of mossy rock. And ended up in the river. <laughs> I, was, I was telling my son, I was looking up, I was like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And Ethan tried to go there. <laughs> he ended up in the river. <laughs> Our footing matters. And, Jesus, and God tells us, knowing him, having an intimate relationship is the only way for grace 
and peace to be multiplied. Grace is God's favor to an undeserving people. God in his mercy, that is, he doesn't give us what we deserve, gave us his grace, and that is, he gave us what we don't deserve. He gave us mercy. We don't deserve it, but he gave it. That's grace. The result is we experience peace, which the world desperately wants. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all of his people. Here's the thing. You want to have peace in your life? You want to enjoy your relationship with God? You've got to seek the Lord in an intimate way. It's not just knowledge. It's an intimate relationship that's based on his righteousness. Romans 5, 1, Therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4 says, verse 6 through 7, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. God's grace and peace are multiplied towards us as we walk with him and we trust in his promises. Because of this, in Jude chapter 1, in verse 4, it says this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Why is our foundation important? Because without it, we struggle. Without it, we lose who Jesus really is. We forget. Without it, God's grace is perverted and we're not living in grace. Without it, we don't have peace in our life. If you're not enjoying God's grace and you're not living in peace right now, you're struggling. I mean, you can be going through the most horrendous thing in your life and you can have peace. That surpasses all understanding. Because it's through your relationship with God, not in the circumstances of your life. And it was so sweet to see that in Pat's face every time she woke up. She didn't know where she was. She kept ex- asking me to excuse her mess at home. I just obliged and said, oh, that's okay, we'll clean it up. <laughs> and, she, and then we would pray and talk about Jesus, and she would smile. She would go back to sleep, and then she'd wake up with a grin on her face. She got, she's like, oh, you're still here. <laughs> and that peace does not isn't because of her circumstance. It's because of who she has an intimate relationship with. The world is going to creep in and try to steal that peace. Where are you standing? That's the question. Where is your footing? Is it on the foundation that we are talking about? Is it based on these things? Or is it based on your circumstances? God will multiply your peace 
and grace in your life if it's based on the intimate relationship you have with him.